Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Give us a wave. Good, there we are. I just like to check everyone's awake before we begin. That's always helpful. Great. Okay, well, look, um, today we're going to take a look at the subject of disciples hear God's voice. Disciples hear God's voice. Last week we looked at healing. Disciples heal. And uh, by the way, if you want to look at the notes for that, they are available on the website. I know one or two people said there was that confession we did last week. Do you remember that? Where we went through it and they would quite like to look at that again. If you go to the website, look under talks, you look, find the, the talk from last week and then right at the bottom there's a little notes icon. If you click on that, provided you've got PowerPoint, that will come up and you can see all the notes and you can listen to the, the, the talk and view the notes as well if you want. Okay, so that's just from last week. Okay, so <clears throat> hearing God's voice. Hey, look, I just want to say this is a really, a, another really important element of being a disciple, isn't it? Thank you. Thank you. You know me better than that. By now, you know I'm looking for way more energy than just a little. Uh, yeah. That is not good enough. I, so we know that this is an important part of being a disciple, don't we? Very good. You don't have to take the mic, but, 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 but a little bit more is, is, would be appreciated. Thank you. <clears throat> Just got to get these things straight at the beginning. Yeah, so um, I, I want to say this to you. Uh, hearing God's voice is the thing that makes your Christian faith dynamic and exciting. Some of you are saying, my faith is a bit dull at the moment. Can I suggest it may well be because you have stopped hearing his voice. When the disciples heard Jesus speak to them, how did they react? Sometimes they were amazed, weren't they? They said, what are you doing? What are you, why are you spitting on the ground? This is really embarrassing. Sometimes they were frightened. What are you doing walking on the water? And he spoke to them. And that, what are you when Jesus encountered them and they heard his voice, sometimes they didn't know what to do. But boy, it was never dull. Was it? Walking with Jesus, when you hear his voice. And I want to say... Let's not come up short on this matter. Come on, let's walk with Jesus and let's hear his voice. Okay, so today there are uh, three things I particularly want to look at. So what example did Jesus set us in this regard in terms of hearing his voice? Let's see what Jesus did. Because he's, he's the one we're following, isn't he? So he's the one we want to be like. So what did he do? What was his experience? And then we can say, let, how do we copy that? So that's where we're going to start. We're also going to ask the question, so how do you hear uh, from God? For, for some of you, that might be a bit odd. Man, that sounds a bit weird. What do you mean, hear from God? Are, are you mad? No, we're not mad. Well, not all of us. <laughs> and how do you avoid mistakes? And how do you avoid mistakes in this area, which is really easy to do? Okay, so let's have a quick look at the first one. All right, okay. Um, so, um, what was the example that Jesus set? Well, um, actually, when you look at the life of Jesus, there was a constant flow of supernatural information that Jesus just seemed to understand at times. It wasn't there. 
Have you read through the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at the life of Jesus, and here are just some of the examples. Uh, Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him, didn't he? He said to Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Real specific detail. Now, how did Jesus know that? Well, there's a God is speaking. He's hearing from God. He is God. And uh, he says, yeah, before the cock crows, that little detail, and we know that as the story unfurls, Peter does indeed deny Jesus three times. And it's when he hears the cockerel crow, he thinks, ah, he remembered what Jesus said. And we know he goes off to weep, although God does restore him. Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed, didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah, he did. He knew that. And he also knew who would betray him. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. And he told the other disciples just before it happened. Jesus knows that his disciples are going to abandon him. They're going to desert him when he's arrested. He says, you will all be scattered. That's what will happen. But my father won't leave me. But you, you will. How about this one? He knows in detail where the disciples needed to prepare the Passover meal. Let's just have a quick look at the scripture here. Let's read this together. There's remarkable detail here. Okay. Keep me on my toes. Well done, guys. Thank you. Uh, so this is Luke 22. Uh, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent uh, Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Bit random, okay? But that's what he said. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and they found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Now, how did Jesus know this stuff? Did he, had he employed a guy with a, a water jar? So he said, look, walk up and down until my disciples... No! But God is God, isn't he? And he knows this stuff. And he saw what his disciples were going to do. Jesus is receiving information. I don't think Jesus has ever been to this room. But he sees there's a large, upper, furnished room. Guys, you've got to go there. It's a remarkable level of detail. Remarkable level of detail. It's what Jesus was receiving. Yeah, Jesus was receiving that. Another one. How about this one? He knew where to find money. This is a weird one. I mean, this is, by any standards, this is odd, okay? So um, they're having, Peter is having this discussion with someone else, and he's saying, this guy is saying, so does your master then pay to go into the temple, the big temple in, in Israel? And Peter said, yeah, yeah, sure he pays. And then Jesus has a word with Peter afterwards and said, do you think it's right that the son should pay to go into the father's house? And they have a little discussion around it, and he says, look, just so not to offend people, We'll sort this out. And this is what he says to Peter. Go to the sea, which I assume is fairly near. Cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Uh, take that and give it to them for me and yourself. 
Now, Peter had to know Jesus, didn't he? But you would think, no, no, I'm sorry. That's, that's not right. I'm sorry. I, I, do you know what fish are like? They're not mini banks, okay? You don't open a fish. Oh, look, stuffed full of coins. There you go. Look. Well, I've never had a fish like that. I don't no, but Jesus knows. I mean, that's weird. That's really weird to use an Ian word. It's a weird thing. I know things are bad when Ian says it's weird. He doesn't like that at all. How about what else did Jesus know? He knew about the destruction of the temple. Now, this temple in Israel, with the exception of a few years, um, uh, there had been two temples, and it had existed for a thousand years, the two temples. A thousand years. And then Jesus says, no, what's going to happen is this temple is about to be ripped down. He sees what's going to happen. Now, we know in AD 70, that is exactly what happened. Historical fact. We know that the Romans come and they invade Jerusalem. They destroy the city. Even though the emperor at the time doesn't want the temple destroyed, it is destroyed. And uh, the whole thing is ripped down. Jesus said that would happen. He knew he saw. He knew also that Jerusalem, as he said, would be trampled uh, by um, Gentiles and we know that in AD 66 when there's a rebellion against the uh, rule of the Romans the Romans respond in the way that they always do with extreme violence they send three armies and they surround Jerusalem and they absolutely uh, encase it with soldiers and eventually they annihilate it and we know that uh, Josephus a historian at the time says over a million people were slaughtered Jesus saw that was going to happen 35-ish years beforehand. Remarkable level of detail. Jesus is constantly walking in, constantly seeing. What else did he see? Well, they, they decide to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria is the middle bit of Israel. That's like the Midlands, really, if you want to. Think of it in terms of UK. It's the Midlands, Samaria. And they're going through Samaria, and uh, they stop at a well, and Jesus starts to chat to a woman, which is kind of unusual. Culturally, you didn't sort of do that at the time. One man, one woman, it sort of was frowned on. But Jesus ignores all of that and does that. And then he says to her, um, go and fetch your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he said, no, that's true. He said, the man you're with at the moment is not your husband, and you've had five other husbands, haven't you? And she then is so amazed, she says, I'm going to go and tell everyone about a man who told me everything I ever did. The encounter with Jesus left her feeling, you know everything about me. He knows that the official son at Capernaum is going to live. He says, your son will live. He does. He knows that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. If you read the stories, in fact, that's why he stays away. Because he doesn't just want to heal Lazarus, he wants to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows that's going to happen beforehand. He knows where to catch fish. We're back to fish again. Fish are clearly a big thing. I'm not quite sure why that is. So he says to his disciples at one point, they've been fishing. They, they haven't caught any fish. And he says, if you throw your nets onto the right-hand side of the boat, you will catch them. They do that, and he does. This, you know... This is remarkable, right? This is not normal. Well, not in my household, anyway. 
what else did uh, Jesus know? Well, he knew where a donkey would be ready for his entry into Jerusalem. He tells his disciples, when we go to the next village, you're going to find a donkey and a colt tied up in a certain place. And if anybody asks you, this is what you say. And they go and they find it just as Jesus said. He knows that he's going to be, specifically, he's going to be handed over to Gentile authorities. He knows, he says, I'm going to be flogged, I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going to be, I, I will raise, uh, will raise to life again on the third day. He says that to his disciples very explicitly. He knows that Peter is the rock on which the early church is going to be built. And then even, he knows that church unity, it seems, is going to be a problem over the centuries. Because when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of the things he starts praying about is unity. And not just current unity, but unity in the, in, over the centuries going forward. Jesus understands the history of the church from beginning to end, and he demonstrates it right there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is demonstrating long-term information, medium-term information, uh, simple bits of, oh, yeah, this is where you find a coin. He's demonstrating remarkable levels of supernatural information right throughout his life. And we know this, don't we? But we kind of say, well, yeah, yeah, that's just, we ignore that, really. No, no, I just wanted to draw your attention to it. And then Jesus said this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, we looked at this last week, will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. I want to suggest to you, hearing God's voice Receiving remarkable bits of information is normal Christianity. Just like healing is normal Christianity, hearing God's voice is normal Christianity. And you will be bored if you're not hearing his voice. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Uh, to tell you a quick story, um, I did the uh, New Ground Academy a couple of years ago, uh, which is a, an academy that's open for people who are either leaders or looking to lead. And uh, one of the guys who helps run it is a guy called James Silly. And uh, James leads the church in Sidcup. And uh, he said uh, one day on the academy, he, his wife was expecting, uh, well, I think it was their first or second child, I can't remember, and he said to God, God, I really want to prepare one of the rooms in our house ready for the birth, but I haven't got any money. So please will you give me some money to sort out so I can just, you know, redecorate the room and I can buy a little bit of furniture and get it sorted out. And he, as he was praying, he felt an impression, and it was this, prepare the room as though you've got the money. And he thought, have I just, you know, have I just, what, what have I just heard? Is that right? So he said, okay, well, I'll just do that then. So I think he cleared the room and he got a brush and he was sweeping the room just to clear it out, thinking, well, I, you know, I haven't got any money. I can't do any of this. And he just looked up and he noticed there was a bit of a bulge in the ceiling. And he thought, well, I hadn't noticed that before. What's that? And he poked the thing, I think, with the brush. Well, it collapses, this bit of collapse. And he said, 120 pounds 
floated down from the ceiling and landed on the floor. That was exactly what they needed to do the decoration. So he gathers up this money, puts it in his pocket, and he goes down to his wife and he says, you're never going to believe what's just happened. (laughs) You hear God's voice. Hear God's voice. It's an exciting thing. You see the breakthrough of God in it. And uh, we've been touching on words of knowledge, haven't we? Yeah, we touched on that last week, words of wisdom and prophecy. We know from Corinthians, those are all things that we're meant to be looking at. We're meant to be seeing happen regularly in our lives. It's also very evangelistic. When you have a word of knowledge for someone, I mean, it can really worry them, to be honest. They will probably say, how do you know that? So you've got to learn to handle it quite well. got to learn to handle it, but actually... We have a world that does not believe in the supernatural. So when you go along and demonstrate supernatural bits of information, it's quite amusing, really. freaks them out. But what you're saying is, no, see, here is uh, our God. Okay, so. Next section. How do you hear from God? Okay, well, there's an example that I'd just like to go through with you. And here it is in Matthew. And I think this is an example of when Peter begins, I think probably for the first time, to start hearing God's voice. And I just want to look at this dynamic because I think there are a couple of things we can draw out of it. So here we are, Matthew 16. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? That's a reference for himself, the Son of Man. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, uh, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Aha! There we go, breakthrough. Peter, possibly that's the first recorded time anyway, has suddenly had what we would identify as a word of knowledge. Supernatural information has just gone bung. Now, what can we learn from this that will help us uh, have a go? Well, I, I want to suggest this. I think Jesus knew that Peter had received some revelation. But I don't think Peter knew that he had received some revolution. Revolution? Revelation. So what does Jesus do? He then asks some questions to draw out of Peter what he knows. Particularly the second question. And Peter being Peter, you know what kind of character Peter is, don't you? Yeah, he's a kind of, let's leap in first without thinking in any way at all about this. I'm just going to, it comes out. And he gets into terrible trouble because of this often. But actually when you're learning, that is a great characteristic to have. So I want to suggest this. God was already speaking. He didn't know it. But then he had a go and he discovered that God was speaking So I want to say to this, if you are a disciple of Jesus, God will be speaking to you already. But most of you don't know it. So the the deal is, have a go. Have a go. Have a go. 
We're very, very British, so we think, I don't want to have a go until I know I've got it right. It doesn't work like that. If you want to hear God's voice, you've got to have a go. And then you discover whether it's God or not. And sometimes it won't be. So handle it well, you know what I mean? <clears throat> but sometimes it will be. Sometimes it will be. You will have heard God's voice. And as, as you practice... Let me tell you this, if you never practice, you'll never hear, or at least you'll never know. If you never practice, you'll never know. So can I suggest this? Next time somebody asks you to pray, let's say um, somebody says, can you pray for my knee? It's very painful. You say, yes, certainly, I'll pray for your knee. But you could say this, why don't we just do this first? Why don't we just ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us? So, Holy Spirit, please will you come, and is there anything you want to say uh, before I pray for this person. And then what is the first thing that comes into your head? You don't think about it too much. Don't start analysing it. Okay, that analysis is very helpful, in some, in, but it's really unhelpful other times because it just gets in the way. What is the first thing that comes into your head? And let's say just the word brother. And you think, what, where, where, did, where did that come from? Where brother? Where did brother come from? Now... <laughs> This is where you need to handle it well, okay? Um, can I suggest, like we did before, if you feel like you've received something, phrase it as a question back. So, um, I've just received this word brother. Does that mean anything to you? Does it, is, can I ask, is there, do, you, do you have a brother? Don't make assumptions. Don't say, I think your brother's in trouble. <laughs> oh, I think he's going down. I don't know what that is. We really, it's really worrying. <laughs> I have heard people do this. They have done this. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's really worrying because I don't have a brother. What do you mean? I... <laughs> you really can get into absolute. So be humble with it. Don't be silly with it. <laughs> be humble. Turn it into a question. And I would suggest, even when you're experienced at this, keep asking questions. Is that right? Is that right? Find out. Because you're learning. This is really helpful information to you because you're learning. Because you can say, do you know what? Yes, I do have a brother. And actually, he's, he's really ill at the moment. Ah, oh, let's pray. Let's pray for that. We'll pray for your knee as well. But let's pray for your brother. Okay, so put yourself into positions where you learn. What can happen, uh, I would suggest, is sometimes we have a go and get it wrong and we think, oh, well, I'm just useless at this. Yeah. Just useless at this. I'm never going to do that again. Because oh, oh, we, we do something, we get it. It's really embarrassing. I made some embarrassing mistakes when I first started this, when I was a teenager. Uh, I, was, I became a Christian. I got filled with the Holy Spirit at college. I didn't really have a, a church supporting me at that time. And I thought God had said, go and preach to your neighbors. And I thought, you are kidding. I, there's nothing I want less than to go and do that. And that was excruciatingly painful. Now, I look back and I realize the lack of peace surrounding it tells me that was not God. But I thought it was. I made a mistake. And my neighbors found out about it too. <laughs> Most of them are dead now and I... I hate to say this, but I am grateful. <laughs> that was embarrassing. It was embarrassing stuff. 
Anyway, you learn. You learn. But the thing is, that could have put me off for life. That could have put me off for life. I could have said, well, I'm never, ever doing that again. That was hugely embarrassing. And, um, but as you keep trying and you be kind to yourself and others, it will help you to find out, hey, am I hearing right? Am I hearing right? Okay, so I think that's a very helpful story. I think that tells us, have a go. Do have a go, and if you have a go, you're likely to learn. Uh, Okay, so um, now, um, there are all sorts of different ways in which God speaks, and all sorts of different people talk about uh, different things. Just recently, people have been talking about dreams. I've had two or three people say, yeah, I've started to get dreams again. I know they're very symbolic. They're a bit odd. They are symbolic, but I know God is speaking through them. Uh, absolutely right biblically that's very correct different types of dreams if you're not used to dreams please don't generally take them literally Uh, you can get very worried if you take dreams literally often dreams are quite symbolic and sometimes they involve things that are a bit embarrassing there are a number of people who've spoken about uh, how they have dreams and they're they're naked and they think well I must be a pervert if I'm having these sorts of dreams. No, no, God will use really unusual things sometimes to say, no, uh, no, you feel exposed. You see what I mean? There's a symbol sometimes behind dreams. So uh, sometimes people are saying, well, this is an embarrassing dream. I don't want to share it with, with anyone. Um, well, pray about it and then share it with someone you trust and just see if there's an interpretation to it. That there isn't always, sometimes you do just have random dreams. That cheese was too strong, you know. <clears throat> and uh, that's just the way of it. The most common way, though, I would suggest that God speaks is through the still, small voice. The one I just described. So when you pray for someone, suddenly oh, uh, it's the word brother. And you think, well, what, what was that? Most of the time... When God speaks, you don't recognize it because it's that small. It's that gentle. It's that soft. And you just think, oh, well, that's just a random thought I've had. Why would you suddenly be thinking about somebody's brother when you start to pray? But we uh, persuade ourselves that that's just a random thought. No, no. I, I want to suggest to you, God's speaking all the time to you. He wants to help that person through you. What else do we see? Uh, Visions. Um, uh, Who's had a vision? Anyone had a vision? Yeah? Yeah, a good number of you. Uh, There are different types of visions, I would suggest. I think the sort of lighter end of things is the sort of thing that I would get, which is just simple pictures, mental pictures. I would pray and I see a picture. And then I think, oh, I know what this picture means. There are, at the far end of things, there are absolute visions where people have a sense in which they are walking around, they can smell smells, they feel feelings, they have a, can feel the, the sense of the sun on their face or whatever it is, and you are absolutely in an, like a slightly removed place, and uh, sometimes they're very powerful uh, visions. But generally, they tend to be more my type of thing, which is a simple mental picture. Pay attention to those. Pay attention to those. Now, you might, that might not be the way God speaks to you. There might be other things. How about this one? Um, sensations. Sensations around your body. So how do you get words of knowledge for healing? I have lots of those. And one of the ways in which God speaks to me through that is I pray and just say, Lord, please will you come and speak to me in my body? 
Would you just point out an area of my body that if somebody is ill, uh, and then I'll just wait. And then I'll probably get a sensation somewhere, and I'll think, okay, I didn't have that a minute ago, I do now. Or I'll get strange sensations. Sometimes I've described odd sensations, do you know what I mean? And I'll say, well, this really odd pain somebody's got. Starts here, goes down there, bounces off your knee, goes here. Yeah. And actually, it's very helpful in a sense. The more obscure they are, the better, because somebody can say, oh, I know that's me. And you get a direct response. So can I encourage you? Actually, that is the still, small voice of God, that sensation. You're just asking God to very gently speak to you. And he'll... he'll illustrate an area of your body has anyone had that two three four five six yeah you just have to give time to it you have to say lord please will you speak and then you have to be prepared to give it a go every time somebody brings a word of knowledge they feel a bit of a twit because you think i could have got this totally wrong and everyone will say that northy is a fool that's what you're concerned about. So you have to be willing to push the door open and give it a go. And house group, I would suggest, is a great place to do that. House groups, can I encourage you, foster this within your group meetings. Just say, is anybody hearing anything? Because otherwise it gets overlooked. And, and say to people, this is a great place to learn. Safe place to learn. And then if, if somebody says it publicly, uh, you know, and it's a bit odd, you could say... Hey, well, maybe it means this instead. Some correction can be brought. It's a safe place. Uh, there are a whole bunch of other things as well that we could have looked at. That's not an exclusive, exhaustive list. Uh, and I'm sure some of you will be saying, no, we hear in different ways. How do we avoid mistakes? How do we avoid mistakes? Oh, I'm not sure you can, actually. I think it is the nature of learning. But there are a few things you can do to help yourself. First one. Does what you've heard uh, contradict Scripture? Scripture always trumps personal prophecy. Always. The Scripture is the revealed Word of God. What you received uh, might be from God, it might not be. Or it might partially be from God, it might. No, no, no. If, if you're saying, I think God has spoken to me, I shouldn't pay my taxes this year. <laughs> you can say, no, the Bible says you should. It's trumped. Absolutely trumped. Have you tested it? 1 John, uh, 1 John 4 1 says, um, uh, Don't believe everything you hear just because someone says it is a message from God. Test to see if it really is, for there are many false teachers around. So, in other words, when it comes to hearing God's voice, the Bible says, Have a healthy skepticism. Don't be cynical. Don't say, ah, it's all a load of rubbish. No, what you say is, well, that might be from God, or it might not be. It's a healthy skepticism. Uh, have you talked to other people about it? Proverbs says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In other words, if you've got something and you're thinking, oh, particularly if it's directional, I would suggest go submit it to other people and say, what do you think? What do you think? Ask God to confirm the word. God, God's really kind when it comes to speaking. And he's quite happy to say it again. 
In fact, if he is speaking, he'll probably say it two, three, four times. Don't, don't, don't be worried to go and ask him to speak again. Will it honor Jesus or you? This is another good test. Will the word that you've received honor Jesus or you? Is it all about how glorious you will be? God has said, I'm going to be an amazing person and I'm going to be incredible. It's all going to be about me. Or is it about, actually, God's going to use you to bring his glory in? John 7 very clearly says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true and in him there is no falsehood. Uh, Then lastly, what does the word produce in you? James 3. Wisdom from above, James 3 says, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. If those feelings accompany the word, just take note of that. But if they don't, take note of that as well. That will help you to discern. And then lastly, oh, there we go. Lastly, that bottom one. Be very cautious of the phrase, God told me. My uh, overwhelming experience, and I'm sure many of you is as well, when anybody comes to me and says, God has told me, I am alarm bells ring straight away. Straight away. Because generally, that means, I want to do this thing, and I don't want you to tell me that it's wrong. So uh, I'm going to put this spiritual veneer on it and say that God has told me to go and do this thing so that you won't say no. That's right. To be honest, that's what it often is. God told me. Has he? Oh, okay. Because actually, if God has told you, there's nothing. I can't, you know, I'm trumped. (laughs) If God's, God's God and we all bow to him. But actually, often people don't. Uh, And uh, so don't come with that attitude. Mature Christians do this too. This is not just for beginners. Mature Christians phrase it differently. But actually, even mature believers who've been believers for many years still basically wrap that up and say, I do not want, because I want this thing and I don't want to be told anything else. It's a cover for pride. Amen? Amen. I hope that's been helpful. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you set this amazing example of speaking, of hearing and speaking. And uh, Lord Jesus, I want to ask you, if you want to hear freshly from God, why don't you just put your hands out right now? If you want to hear his voice, if you know you have rejected this whole area because it's worried you or because you've seen it abused in the past, there are examples of that. Why don't you just put your hands out to God and say, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I ask you that where uh, this whole area has been abused in the past, I want to ask you to undo any damage. I want to ask for fresh courage to go again, to hear your voice, not to make mistakes. Father, I want to ask you for your gentle words to come and that people would begin to become aware of how you are speaking to them. I want to ask for those who uh, have received dreams in the past. I ask you to increase the level of dreams. Right now, Father, would you increase the level of dreams among us? I pray for more visions and pictures. 
I pray for the still, small voice of God, Father, to come. I ask you to help us to handle this stuff well and not foolishly and immaturely. Father, we want to represent you well. We don't want to make your name look stupid. So Holy Spirit, would you come freshly on us, stir us, and help us to walk like Jesus did. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen.